Hey guys, we have our very first guest this show, and he's one of our very own. Shout out to the 630. He's one of the most successful running backs of all time in the state of Illinois. Seventh all-time rushing, ninth all-time for rushing touchdowns. He had the second most rushing yards in his season. Uh, he went on to play collegiate football at Northwestern, piling up more records while the four years he was there. And in 2018, he was a seventh-round pick by the Los Angeles Chargers. That is Justin Jackson. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's good? Good to see you guys. Long time. <laughs> appreciate you coming on, man. So, yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. You don't remember this, Justin, but uh, you came over to my house one time when you were younger because you're friends with my younger brother, and he had you guys all over. And uh, I let you in, and you looked around, and you were like, man, y'all live in large. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. like I remember this. I remember it in my head. And y'all lived I, off of Birch Bark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right, yeah, right there. So you you guys always came over all the time when you were yeah, young. Yeah, I do remember that. So oh in my God. head, I was like, boy, you'll be living large too one day as long as you keep your head straight. And that you did, man. Years back, or looking back and years forward, here we are, you know. Have you taken the time to reminisce about being that kid and where you're at now and how that journey has been for you? Uh, it's wild. I, I don't do that too often, honestly. Um, sometimes, you know, you like take a step back and you realize like, damn, like that would almost seem like a different life, right? Like high school and like, that was almost like seven, eight years now. Um, but seven, eight years ago, but now it's like, it just, yeah, I'm always so focused on the now and like, you know, what I have to do today to make sure, um, you know, doing what I got to do to, to be successful, you know, come, you know, the season or, come training camp and all that type of stuff that I really don't take too much time to, to reminisce. But when you do, you get a moment, especially like when you talk or you're talking to people from back home, it's always nice. Cause I have so many good memories from just back in the day, man. And like you were saying, well, that was probably like freshman or sophomore year. It's like yeah. just little moments like that was always why I loved sports yeah. and really why I always cherished GVN because I just made so many great friends and great memories uh, that easy to remember, you know? Do you feel those people, uh, like people you grew up with, do they look at you different now? Do they treat you different? It's like, oh, this dude's on playing on Sundays. Like, can I kill? Can I still call them? Like, is it still weird? <laughs> or if they do call you, it's like, hey, maybe I get some money out of them. Or like, <laughs> how does that feel now? Um, not too much, honestly. Like, most, like a lot of my friends, like that, I keep in touch with. You know, especially my close friends. Like, nothing really has changed, which is nice. Um, and I think. When you have, if you have friends that uh, treat you different, when you make it to a level like this, they probably really weren't, you know, your good boys in, in the first place. I mean, they weren't in it for the right reasons. And, yeah. and a lot of my buddies that I've been friends with, man, I've been friends with them since I was second, third grade, right? So at that time, you're not trying to set up a friendship for any type of thing, you know, you're getting on the back end. So that's why I always loved my friendships because I thought, and felt truly felt they were all authentic. And now it's like, I barely get to see them because obviously we're all, all doing our thing all around the country, but when we can all get back together, it's stories. Like you just said, Karan, like stories like that, that we bring back up that just, you just laugh, man. You just right. reminisce. And it's just fun. Um, when we can't get together, uh, we always have a good time and it's, yeah. So I, I really haven't had any of those experiences, uh, like we were talking about. Um, and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I guess that just means that I, I picked good friends, right? <laughs> like, right I had good friends growing up and I, I guess I'm, I'm blessed in that sense. 
I feel like the area that we all came from, right? Shout out Glenmar North High School, that whole area, like that we were all close, you know, that one area, yeah. specifically all the surrounding suburbs, like we all know each other, we all grew up. And I feel like, you know, you being heavily involved with sports, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gave you that path of finding the right friends, you know, having that athletic, having that athletic group around you and stuff like that. Has that kind of translated to like the people that you hang out with now and whatnot in terms of like who you kind of surround yourself with? Yeah, I've always, I've really always just like been drawn to people who are real, you know what I mean? Like who are people who are just their authentic selves, like not like trying to do too much, like not people that act different in groups, like people trying to just show out for for this or for that. Just people that are just cool, you know, like people that are just chill that, you know, no matter who they're around, they're not changing how they act or shit like that. Like I hate that so much because like, if you're changing how you're acting, acting around a certain group of people, like you're just not real. You know what I mean? You're, you're mm-hmm. front. And, and I never, I've never liked people like that. So I feel like I've always surrounded myself with people that are just, you know, a hundred, you know, just real. And, and, I, and I'm trying to do the same now, right. When you go into a new space, a new area, um, it's for me, I mean, for me, it's kind of tough to find friends because like you were saying, Avery, like, are you friends with me because you know who I am? Or is this just like a, a real genuine relationship? Um, so a lot of times I stick to just like my teammates, um, obviously, because we're all in the same boat, but um, or just like friends that I've known from college who live out here or whatnot. Um, and then I try and just get my friends to come visit whenever they can. Like, look, come, <laughs> yeah. out, to, come out to Southern Cal, let's uh, have yeah. a weekend or whatever, or I'll go visit them. So I think yeah. at this stage, like with, with in the position I'm in, like, it's hard for me to make a lot of new friends. Um, but uh, that's why I'm so happy that I still have all the attachments from uh, way back in Northwestern and uh, back in Kill Street. Yeah. yeah, that's what's up. So going back to the high school days, I have two top moments that I've witnessed personally in sports. It was one in high school sports. It was one in 2006. It was a Proviso, Proviso West tournament, right, Avery? Yeah. yeah. It was John Shire. He was one of the top Illinois Hooper prospects yeah, at the time. Yeah. Duke, Duke, Duke. Oh, Duke, Duke. Duke. Yeah, yeah, Duke, yeah. Duke. Right. So he, this, this man scored, what, 21 points in 75 seconds? It was one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in person. It was nuts. Coach K was at that game, and it was Sheesh. pretty much, yeah, it was pretty much the game where Coach K was like, all right, you're coming to Duke. And they ended, right. they ended, up, winning, <laughs> ended up winning a championship together. The second like most, that in front of him, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second most wild thing I've seen was, I think it was your senior year, your basketball game, uh, uh, playoffs when you guys played Morning Grove. Was Morning? It Morning Grove? Oh man, that, <laughs> Yo, that was wild. You guys, so, ever, so so who's listening? You guys were down at halftime by over twenty points. Yeah, the, the crowd it was packed. You know, there the fans over there were talking mad smack. You know, yeah. and you got to realize in high school it's only eight minute quarters, so you guys had sixty yeah. minutes to catch up in the second half. So the second half was just lit, man. I was like, I was like, yo. College, shout out college or shout out uh, suburban uh, high school basketball. Dude, yeah. this, you know, that, that, that was bro, that was shit. crazy in so many ways. Like one, like you said, they had their crowd was crazy. Um, but also Morton Grove, that school was like one of the highest attendance schools in 8A. We were one of the lowest. We had like 2,700. They had like 4,200 kids. So they had way more kids, right? So their fans were going crazy. And they had really good players. And so – you're right. We were down like 20 at half, but I do remember right before the half, I got a steal and a dunk. Yeah, and like you, we that. couldn't even like celebrate because like we were down 20. But like you know, whenever we get a dunk like in a, like a normal game, we're like, oh, you know, we're like going yeah. crazy. Like we couldn't even celebrate. But um, yeah, at halftime, like I just remember going to the locker room and like 
we were like, damn, like we were kind of getting run, we kind of getting ran right now. But we weren't, we didn't think we were out of it though, like mentally. Like we were all just like, we just need a little run here, you know what I mean? And we had so much good senior leadership on that team with myself and Jerry and Chip and Pasquale and Rob and Kenny. Like we had all seniors pretty much that were playing. So we're like, look, we've been here before. And that whole season had been crazy. We had, Chip had hit a game-winning shot from half court against Neighborhood Central to, to keep us in the conference title race. And yeah. we had crazy games against Wheaton North. We like, so we were ready for that moment. And, dude, I remember that shit like it was yesterday. Like, that was <laughs> one of the craziest games I've ever that been was a part nuts. of in any sport, period. Like, it was, uh, it was just such a fun time. And I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. For, for our viewers that don't know – Justin not, wasn't only just a great football player; he was also a great basketball player growing up. I guess my question to you is: When did you, when did you realize or notice, like you know what, I'm going to go the football route, mm-hmm. or uh, like I guess when was that switch happen with you, where it's like football's my thing, I'm going to go in all in with that? Uh, it's wild. I never really like, I never really like made a conscious decision. I just think I was better at football. Um, and like basketball wise, I, I appreciate you saying I was great. I was a really good competitor. I was a really good teammate. Yeah, he was I solid. Was. <laughs> was solid, you know. I, I wasn't like Chip. Like was a great basketball player. He was yeah. unreal. Still I was is. just passing him the ball, you know, getting the assist. But um, I think I actually do remember a moment, and I and it's moments like these you actually appreciate people just being brutally honest, even though if it hurts at the time. And that was one of my coaches, a coach that he had coached me for a long time growing up. His name was Mike Thompson. He was my, like, travel basketball coach. And I remember, like, when I was younger, I was, like, taller than a lot of people. So I kind of played, like, the four or five position. And he knew. He was like, look, you're you're not getting any taller. And everyone's going to get way taller. So mm-hmm. we're going to transition you into playing, a, a, you know, a point or a two position. Um, and then at a certain point, because I was doing football and basketball, and a lot of times basketball players were really good, specialize in basketball you really have to because you know just the the level of skill it takes like you can't really take time off doing that and so he kind of realized that like that wasn't gonna be my path and he I remember one day we were like driving he was driving me the game or something he told me he was like you're a great basketball player now but this is probably not going to be in your future um and that was like something at the time like I was so mad at him for saying that to me but he obviously had the foresight that yeah. this is probably not going to be a game for you. You know, you're going to, you can play through high school. You're going to be a really good high school player, but yeah. this is probably not your path. So that, that was kind of like a wake up moment for me. But I mean, also just like, I was just so much better at football and I really do love basketball. I love being in basketball. I always have. Mm-hmm. I probably even loved it more than football at some points in my life, but um, I grew to love the game of football and, I was obviously a lot better at football, so it kind of just that decision was, I guess, kind of made for me in the uh, just in the in the universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a lot of five eleven uh, basketball players out there. But <laughs> you're, so that, you're all right in football. <laughs> that, that decision ultimately, you know, got you a college college scholarship at Northwestern. So, what were kind of the yeah. main things that you learned while you were at Northwestern, and what were like the differences uh, at that point from high school? Sheesh, man. So First of all, why'd you, why'd you pick Northwestern? Just stay local? Um, honestly, it came down to, like, I went there a lot. Like, I visited a lot. And one thing that was different about Northwestern as far as visits was the coaching staff really pushed you to be around the players, the current players. Um, a lot of places didn't do that because they knew that their players were assholes 
and mm. didn't really want people coming in ostensibly taking their spot, right? So, like, Northwestern wasn't like that. It really was more of a brotherhood. Like, you came in, guys, we would, like, it was a thing. Like, you took the recruits out. You know, you gave, like, showed them a good time. You talked about the school um, just authentically, right? You told them what was good, what was bad. Like, you just talked to them about it. I think that was really refreshing on a visit to have, like, a real conversation with people who were there about how it was. Um, and then I loved Coach Fitz, and like you said, it was local and, and the academics. So it really checked all the boxes for me. Uh, as far as when I was there, man, I, it taught me more than I could really ever put into words because not only football-wise, obviously, I mean, we – shit, dude, we worked – the amount of work we had to put in, like, I'm talking, like, January, we're coming in. It had just been a snowstorm. We can barely get to the facility, like in the facility, walking through all the snow, yet we still got a 6 a.m. workout. Like, Damn. You know what I mean? Like, just shit like that. Like, just gotta in do February, it. we're running 24 60s, like dying, literally like <laughs> almost dying on the field and then going to class. Like, it's just another day. Like, that That was like the work ethic. That was the level of work we had to do. And that was in February, not even in September when we're playing games. You know what I mean, like, it really teaches you – because, you know, you don't do that in, in, in high school. In high school, you got other sports or you're just lifting. Like, no, it's like it's a job. And that's how I treated it, right? I treated it as a job, which really prepared me for actually being my job now. But more than football, like, it taught me so much about just being, a you know, just a human being, a person, a man, like all that type of stuff. Because when I came to college, like, we had a very diverse uh, I, you know, all of us had a very diverse high school experience, which I was very thankful for. Although we had diversity and, you know, race and stuff like that, we all kind of came from the same area, right? Like when you go, when I went to Northwestern, I was with people of all different races from Texas, Georgia, uh, Florida, California, like all over the country, right? So I actually got to experience a lot of different um, cultures, like politically socially, all that type of stuff, which I really appreciated because I got to learn how others think about certain issues. And I think that really helps me now because obviously when I'm in the, dealing in the political realm, I feel like I can actually talk to people who have a different point of view without it just being a name calling, just bashing each other type shit. Like we can actually have a conversation and yeah. kind of flush out the details, which I think a lot of people don't have that experience because they grew up in this one area, they went to school in the same area, or they went to school and surrounded themselves with people that were like them from the same area. So they never branch out. And mm. I was kind of forced to do that in, in, in my college locker room, which is something I really appreciated. And, I, and to me, I think it has really shaped me to be who I am today. So I, I am really thankful for that experience I had there. Very cool. Uh, after football, uh, you know, 10 years down the road or whenever you end up retiring, what do you see yourself doing using that Northwestern degree, the knowledge that you've learned um, um, from Northwestern and Glenbard North and whatever? What do you see yourself? You see yourself going in like the political world, going somewhere different? What are your thoughts? I don't It's It's really up in the air. Like, and that's what I love about it is I have so many interests. Um, obviously, like I said, in the political world, um, but I also I'm really interested in music, um, not necessarily making music, but um, I have a lot of. Uh, good friends that I've come across and, and talked to and, and got to hang out with who are in like bands or like just musical artists and like stuff like that. Like, and I love that. Like music is like such a huge part of my life. So that's maybe something I would look, would look at like maybe being a manager or just being involved some, somehow in the business of music, who knows? Like, 
maybe it's just providing a platform for people to talk, like just having like a talk show or whatever. Like there's so many different avenues. I feel like I've kind of given myself the ability to do after football. And that's what, like what I'm trying to do now, even though I'm still obviously playing football, that's my main job is I'm trying to, in my spare time, kind of create those networks where whenever football ends, I can have, you know, people who can help me get into kind of that next phase. Um, obviously a lot of life left to live after football. So, yeah. Um, yeah, right now it's kind of just setting the foundation for uh, what could possibly be, um, you know, post-retirement career. Um, but it's also just, man, I'm just so happy. Like, I get to just meet some of these people. Like, I mean, some of the, some bands, like, I listened to growing up, I get to meet, like, some people that are, you know, in these bands that really inspired me in, in certain ways. And and uh, I feel really lucky to be able to do that and just be able to talk to them, get to know them. And they feel the same about me, right? They're like, oh, I'm getting to meet like an NFL player. Like, so it's kind of like mutually beneficial, which is really yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, That's, so we'll see, man. I don't know. We'll it's cool that people can see the other side of you too, right? Not just Justin Jackson, the football player, right? They can see your right. other interests and stuff like that. So yeah. after college, obviously you get drafted, right? And even with all the accolades, even all the compliments that you had, you know, it was still, you know, seventh round pick. It just shows no, I mean, obviously nothing against you, but it just shows how hard it is to make it to that level. Right. And that you did, which we all salute you for, but Mm -hmm. you know, you were always used to being that lead dog, right. Being the, the, the bell cow. Right. And then throwing into an environment where you get drafted and then, you know, you get back on the practice squad and you get back on. How did that, how did that, you like, how did you have to transition to that, get that mindset and kind of being, the running back by committee kind of approach, right? So how, how was yeah, that dude, adjustment? Shit's hard, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hard. Like, it, it's, it's a whole new ball game. It's just, and you learn so much, right? Like, like you said, like I'm going from getting 30 carries a game in college to I'm playing special teams and I'm not even getting any carries, right? It's humbling. It's show like I'm learning like how, you obviously have to work hard. You have to work smart. You have to be smart with your body. Like your body is your business now. Like I'm learning that. Like uh, you got to learn a playbook. You got to learn how to interact with new people. You got to interact. You know, I'm getting close to guys uh, that came in with me and then they don't even make the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's different for me, right. From college, you're with the same guys for four or five years. Now I'm like, I'm seeing guys come in, come out. Like, shit like you know they were here yesterday and their lockers cleared tomorrow like it's it's wild man it's just a whole different ball game so you just really got to learn how to be a professional and kind of find your niche like in in this game and right and I've done that for two years and now I'm in a situation where I have an opportunity you know nothing's guaranteed but I have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get you know, a lot, a significant bump in playing time and become an integral part of an offense, right? Which right. is what I've been working for. Um, since I was on practice squad for three or four weeks, um, you know, not even going to the game, just watching that shit on TV like everybody else. Like, yeah. so yeah. this is, I mean, this is the journey that a lot of people take, um, you know, when it comes to the league. And and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm very proud. Like, you know, being drafted in general is, it's oh, an it's unbelievable awesome, experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. And whether you're first round or seventh round, look, none of that shit matters when you hit that field. It's all about, you know, the, you know, are you performing? Are you are you being successful? Are you winning your, your matchups? Like, do you know what the fuck you're doing out there, which a lot of people don't <laughs> even know what they're doing. Like, that's why they can't make teams. Like, And at the end of the day, like, look, one of my really good friends on the team, Austin Eckler, 
uh, just got a new contract. Dude went to Western State, which I had never even heard of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, where is that D2, at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Colorado. Like, you don't even know, right? Like, D2 school came out, came from nothing, literally like football, nothing. And now he got a new contract and is expected to be, you know, a huge, huge part of our offense, right? Like, yeah. that's the journey that I want to be a part of that, right? I don't want to have yeah. anything given to me. I want to have to work for everything I get. And when you have that mindset going into something like, that's that chip on their shoulder that um, I know a lot of guys have that, that really pushes them over the top and, and keeps them working and keeps them being successful season in and season out. And that's why you see that consistency amongst the, the best players. And I want to put myself in that same stratosphere. Love it. Hey, take us back to, to the, when you got that call that you got drafted. Were you with the fam? Were you guys like sitting there waiting for it? Uh, how did, what was that feeling like getting that call? It, it was, it was crazy. And, I always say this, like for a guy like me, you know, a guy, you're, you're probably a second, third day um, type uh, guy, you know, you're waiting for that call. You really don't know where you're going to go. It's really the worst few days until you get the call, literally until you get the call, it's the worst few days. You're sitting on the couch, watching the screen, sitting by your phone for hours, right? You just have this anxiety, this massive anxiety hanging over you. Um, you're getting calls, but then it's just like coaches being like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a few picks coming up. So you think it's the call mm-hmm. for like 15, 20 calls. And, to, you know, just guys telling just, you know, you know, we're looking we're looking at you, like, you know, just hang in there type stuff. It's just so like, yeah. So when I finally got the call, I actually had a like a draft party kind of uh, set up in Oak Park at one of my uh, college teammates. His dad had a bar. Nice. Um, and uh so it had gotten so late in the draft that my dad literally had to leave to go like make sure I, he had to be the first one there and set everything up. Right. So like he wasn't even there. Like my dad and stepmom had to leave. Like I was just there with my brother. And when I finally got the call, like, you know, obviously I was like ecstatic and especially being able to go to LA, which I really wanted to get out of Chicago <laughs> my whole life. Um, and then I had to like call my dad and tell him. So I wasn't even with him at the time. So it was just a, it was a crazy experience, man. It's a crazy experience, but it, it all worked out. And um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely glad I landed here. Like, I think this is a great organization. Obviously, L.A. is a great place to be. Yeah, so that actually brings to my next point. You know, you, you land in L.A. and you bring up Austin Eckler, those guys that you're in the, room, uh, in the locker room with now. How, how is that, you know, being surrounded by Melvin Gordon, the Phillip Rivers? Obviously, they're not there anymore and you got to kind of adjust. Mm-hmm. But how are those hanging out with those guys and what you've learned from them and just like the daily life, right, with them? Like, how was that? I mean, everyone everyone was always awesome. I mean, that's why I really liked uh, our team. And I think especially my rookie year, why we were so successful is um, – Phil was obviously the ultimate leader. Um, he's a character on the field. Uh, he's really a great teammate. He just loves the game. He loves being around the guys, which, I mean, I don't think you, you can last, what, almost 18, 19 years if, if, you, if you're not like that. Um, but he was a consummate professional, always extremely prepared for meetings, for everything, just one of the smartest people you'll ever play with. Um, so it was always – and obviously just a legend, right? So it's just cool to, like, you walk in as a rookie at 22 years old and there's Philip Rivers, who's 36, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 37, like, he's been in the league for pretty much since I was in, like, second grade. Yeah. Um, and so... 
were you like crazy to play with somebody like that you know were you like oh oh shit that's philip rivers or were you like all right let's ball let's do this together like did you have that moment at first you're like dude i'm in the Uh, nfl but then you're like oh let's rock yeah i think you had like one of those moments like damn that's philip rivers like damn this is like real you know what i mean but like at the same time when it comes to the field man like it's just fun to be out there and to be playing with them and this is what you worked your whole life for right so um if there's never any nerves or anything you just go out there and play as far as a running back room man, we always we always had just a great room like melvin was awesome Derek was awesome austin was awesome like detress who came in with me like we both were we were roommates you know both rookies we both made the team we both contributed like that was that was sweet and yeah like i just always really enjoyed our room we always really supported each other and um, challenged each other competed against each other that's exactly what you want, right? Like you're obviously all competing for a job, but at the same time, you're all supporting each other. And it's just basically like may the best man win. And um, at the same time, we're all, look, if somebody gets hurt, it's next man up. Like we got two running backs from the field, let's ball together. Like That's the type of culture we had. And and then look, two years later, it's it's me and Eck, right? Like Derek's yeah. gone, Mel's gone, DJ's yeah. gone. Like that's just the nature of the game. And now it's like, we have to carve out our own room and uh our own culture and it's just it's wild man it's wild how things goes but that's the league and that's the business so you kind of just gotta adjust yeah man that's crazy hey speaking of uh you know california and living out there and stuff are you in that scene that like famous person scene are you just kind of like a regular guy like what are you doing your free time are you kicking it with the boys and and cutting lines and popping bottles or you guys (laughs) like chilling you know Nah, that's that's really not me. I've never been that guy. I don't think I'll ever be that guy. Um, just not in my nature. Just never really uh, appealed to me that much. I'd much rather just chill with my friends, hang out. Like, we'll go out, but it's not like... And it's different, too. Like, it's L.A. It's not like... You're not in, like, Philadelphia or in the Eagle, right? Like, there's so much going on in L.A. There's so many celebrities. There's so many... There's a bunch of teams, right? You got the Lakers, you got the Clippers. Like, we're kind of just moving into L.A. We're, and this is going to be our first year actually playing in L.A. We have been playing uh, at the Galaxy Stadium in Carson. So, like, this is – it's, like – it's – I'm not saying it's not possible, but at the same time, it's, like, not as, like, if you're, you know, you're – like I said, you're an Eagle and you're Philadelphia, and it's, like, the entire town knows every single player on the team. Like, we've had guys that came to Philadelphia and, like, it's crazy there. Like you go somewhere, you're getting everything for free because they know you're a Philadelphia Eagle. It's not necessarily like that in LA. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's the biggest of big stars, right? And so it's it's going to be a little different. But at the yeah. same time, I'm just not that guy, really. Um, Mel is more of that guy. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a party guy, dude. He's he's going out, you know. He's popping bottles. He's doing all that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, good for him. And I think he really loves to do that. Actually, in San Diego, where he played for a few years, so yeah. It's it's really nice in San Diego compared to, to LA, but um, yeah, that's not really me. Austin's the same way; he's not really like that. Derek's got a family; he's not really like that. So <laughs> it just it just depends on the guy, you know. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was I lived out in LA for a couple years, and I remember I was at the bungalow, which is as far out there, yeah, and I nice. saw um, Blake Griffin and this other dude from Grey's Anatomy just chilling, and no one was like, no one <laughs> was just like. This is LA because I'm sure there's some actor over there, Leonardo right. over there. It's like, oh, that's just Blake. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it's wild, man. Unless unless you were like Kobe or like now like LeBron or something like that, you're probably just not gonna get bombarded. Um 
you know, unless you're like one of like the biggest of big people, uh, super star celebrity type things. Like people like us, man, like it's hard to compare to like LeBron and, and you know, some of the biggest actors. Like you see Leonardo DiCaprio, like, and then there's like me or like one of my teammates in there. They're going to, everyone's going to go up to like Leo DiCaprio, right? Like yeah. in LA, yeah. it's Hollywood. Like it's yeah. just a little bit different. Would you rather prefer that, like, kind of being anonymous, or, or like, I don't, would, uh, look, I don't mind it at all, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, you know, being in it, you know, being being an NFL player and having all the fans show up to watch you play and all that type of stuff. But when I'm out of it, like, I'm totally cool, just going unnoticed. Like, I just want to live my life. Like, I always felt like I kind of feel bad for superstar celebrities like if you're a justin bieber or something like that like you can't go anywhere without getting bombarded by people like that's that's kind of like a huge burden to carry around you know what i mean like you're always being watched like that sucks and so i feel like it's nice for me because i can you know when i'm in when i'm doing what i'm doing everyone's watching right and you have that attention on you that's fun the pressure and everything it's fun to perform and when I'm not in it. I'm out. Of, I can actually be out of it. You know, you know, I feel like I don't have to be an NFL player at all times. I don't have to be a celebrity at all times. So for me, honestly, it's the perfect situation. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you have a killer season, who knows? People are gonna start out like, is that Justin Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> and then, who knows? And if that happens, hopefully, yeah, you know, people can just be respectful. Come up. I always, you know, sign whatever anyone wants me to sign. It's, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna ignore anybody. Or, yeah. Always be appreciative of that, but you know, hopefully, I can you know go on living my life at the same time. Yeah. So looking forward a little bit, you know, with the season and with the new changes, what are your expectations? Kind of, you know, maybe a new role role that's gonna be carved out for you. You know, you have to earn it and all that. So what's kind of your mindset going in there? And then also, how is everything being affected right now with the coronavirus in, in terms of your off season and whatnot? Are you guys allowed to go in the facility? Or are you doing your mm-hmm. own stuff or what? Yes. So, I mean, as far as my role in the team, like that's, that's the goal, right? The goal is to be, um, you know, getting a certain amount of touches a game, like being heavily involved with the offense, like having a clear cut role where every single week I have plays designed for me or, you know, it's either me or Eck, whoever's in can do this play type stuff. Like that's what I want. That's what I'm working towards. That's while you get up and go to work out every day, while you know you, you're eating right, even in January or February, you know you're just preparing your body, you're getting rehab, all that type of stuff. That's why you do that stuff five, six months early, because um, mm-hmm. you're just preparing yourself, um, just just to put yourself in that position, right? It's not going to guarantee anything; it just guarantees that you you put yourself in the position to perform, right? So that's that's kind of my mindset right now. As far as the uh, coronavirus, yeah, like. It sucks. Like our facility's closed. It's probably closed for the foreseeable future. Um, it's a you know different circumstance, but everyone's dealing with it. So you just got to find a way to to get your work in, man. You know, all of us are going to random fields and running and doing routes, all that type of stuff. Agility type stuff. Like it's unconventional, but you know you got to do what you got to do to stay ready. Um, yeah. We don't know what's going to happen with the season. We don't know what's going to happen with training camp. But you know you can't. You can't let that kind of paralyze you in the now. You kind of just got to keep preparing as if everything is going to be um, up and running so that if it is, you know, you're ready. And if it's not, then, you know, you'll adjust when the time comes. Yeah, exactly. It's affecting everybody. I do got to ask you one thing, man. Uh, walk us through that first touchdown you scored against the Chiefs. How did that – can you recall that play? Like, like is that something you'll always remember? 
Like, because when you yeah, scored, well, like, we were all rooting for you. I'm like, yo, Justin just scored a touchdown, man. I think all of Illinois was rooting for Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty tight, man. And, uh, you know. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was actually, it was, yeah, it was a Steelers game. It was. Oh, it was a Steelers game. Sunday, yeah, yeah. Steelers game. It was a Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was prime time, and Mel had gotten hurt the week before. Um, so it was just me and Eck, uh, you know, kind of going in the game. And, and I was. A few weeks before, I had actually talked to my brother, you know, who you guys know, Phil. Um, and I was telling him, like, man, dude, this, like, I'm just frustrated. Like, this sucks. I feel like I'm not making an impact on the team, and I'm so used to making an impact. So, like, it's just different for me. Like, I don't really know how to deal with this. And he was just saying, you know, just keep preparing. You know, your time is going to come. Um, they're going to need you to step up eventually. You just got to make sure you're ready for that moment, you know. And so that was my mindset, was just being ready for that moment when it came and and so the whole week I'm preparing, um, you know, I'm preparing like to get significant playing time, right? Like yeah. me and Egg probably going to pretty much like split carries. He might be 60, 40, whatever. So I'm going to the game. That's my mindset. In the first half, we kind of were getting our ass kicked so bad that we didn't have a lot of long drives, right? So Eck was starting. He would start the drive, but we'd go three and out or four plays, five plays, and then, you know, turnover or something like that. You know, something would happen where – I really wasn't able to like go in the game. I might've had one or two plays the whole first half. So I'm like, fuck, like I was ready for this moment all this whole time. And I haven't got any play. Like what's like, I'm just kind of like frustrated. You know what I mean? But I'm just like, just stay in it. You know, whatever, whatever happens just stay in it. As soon as you get your opportunity, just go play. Right. Like, fuck it. Just go have fun. No stress, no pressure. Just go play. Like you've been waiting this whole time for this. Like just go out there and do your thing. And so, then we had a screen pass and Eck got fucked up. Like he didn't even see the, like he didn't even, hadn't even caught the ball yet. And he just got messed up. So he had to come out. And so I finally got my chance to go in. It literally had to come off of an injury. Um, and when I went in there, I was like so happy. It was like such a blur. <laughs> like, I'm just going to play. Like, I don't even care. Like I'm just I'm out here. Like, you know, this yeah. is what I've been waiting for. Like in an actual game situation where, it's not garbage time or anything. I'm actually getting a play. So, yeah. that, I mean, I was just – I don't even know. Like, every time I got the ball, I was just making something happen. And then the touchdown play, that shit's a blur too. Like, <laughs> it just, you know, that that was one of my favorite plays to run, just kind of a pin and pull scheme. And then um, so saw the guy, made him miss. And then the other guy came in, slide two, made him miss, and then scored. And it was kind of just the ultimate kind of culmination of like all my work, like yeah. being hurt in training camp, coming back from that, being on practice squad, showing out in practice enough to make the uh, game roster, playing on special teams, not getting any play, finally getting in on garbage, garbage time against the Cardinals, making some, something happen, um, not playing the first half, finally getting in, making something happen in the Steelers game. Like that was just like, it was. It really was a journey, and it was kind of the ultimate culmination of that journey. So I was really happy about that, and um, I was just grateful, man, to just have that opportunity. And then, yeah, obviously it was on prime time, but like you don't even think about that, right? It's just you're in the game and you're just in the moment. And I don't. It's some. I really don't even be remembering that. Like, oh, this is like a Sunday night football game or a Monday night football game, Thursday night football game. Like, you don't even. It's just you're just in it. You know, you're just playing. So it was. It was a good time, man. Obviously, it kind of catapulted me in my career so far. So, definitely happy about it. 
Yeah, man, that was awesome yeah. to see. So I'm going to ask one more question before we move on to QA with uh, G and Fran. But um, looking at your social media, man, we saw yeah, Kobe came to one of your practices. Can you just kind of tell us yeah. how that experience was, man? I mean, obviously that was devastating what happened, man. He was all our heroes. But kind of just from what you saw from him and what did he say anything to you guys? Like, how was it just being around him? Yeah, no, it's wild, man. Like, you got to know you're like a legend icon because you're coming to an NFL practice and we're all like, damn, bro, that's Kobe Bryant. That's Kobe. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. all starstruck and we're professional athletes, but like, that's Kobe Bryant. Like, yeah. and so we, and it was just so cool because he was so down to earth. Like, he, you know, obviously he came in and talked to the team and everything, and which was, I mean, just hearing his mindset and just talking to him was, awesome period but then afterwards whoever wanted to talk to him whoever wanted to take a picture whoever wanted to pick his brain like he just stood there and talked to anybody who came up to him even if it wasn't a player you know he took pictures with the staff he took pictures with you know freaking media people you know like just i mean it's just so cool because he was just he wasn't you could tell he and every single time he was talking to somebody he was actually engaged in the conversation it wasn't just like oh yeah yeah for sure like okay yeah cool like, no, he's engaged in the conversation. He's talking back. He's responding. He's listening. Like, that's what really stood out to me because I know how it can get when you're around a lot of people who obviously look up to you and they're all trying to talk your ear off, right? Like, it's easy mm -hmm. to be like, I'm trying to get out of this conversation because this is a lot. Like, I get that. I've been there. But he was so cool and down to earth and just talked to all of us. And that's just an experience. I think if you ask anybody on our team, this is something you can't forget. I mean, obviously now it's, you cherish it even more because like you really won't ever get that opportunity again. So uh, I'm just really happy that, you know, we were able to, to have that happen. He was able to come talk to us and, and we were able to kind of have that memory that we could all uh, cherish. You know, Did you guys know he was coming or was it, a, was it a surprise? Um, I think it was like rumblings about it. Some people had heard about it, but. Um, I would have been so nervous, man. If, <laughs> if it was, if I, I want to. I want to say he came to like towards the middle of practice. So like everyone was like, oh, Kobe's over there. Kobe's over there. So it's like, oh, I would have fumbled that ball and went to go shake his <laughs> right. hand, man. I, like, forget the football, yo. I'm shaking Kobe's hand, man. Yeah. So no, it was cool. But like I said, man, like just a legend, right? So it was just so cool. Like I got a picture with, I was able to talk and shake hands that's with a awesome, freaking legend. Like, yeah. Got to cherish cool everything, thing. man. Yeah. No doubt. That's awesome. All right, G, so you guys want to take over with a little Q&A with Justin and Fran? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Justin, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now, too, and one thing I love about you, and you, you uh, mentioned this earlier, is that you you know going to Northwestern helped you kind of get a different uh, people's point of views. You get to learn yeah. about different cultures and different things. One thing that I really enjoy uh, you know, following you on Twitter is that you're, you're very – intellectual in your responses and you always see both sides uh what issues have come up lately or in this you know political landscape that you have kind of driven you motivated you or inspired you or any type of way kind of risen mm. and kind of made you more passionate about certain things oh man there's there's so much and i've i've really the 2016 election like i mean i was what 20 so that's like the first time i could vote in the presidential election and just how polarizing that everything was when it came to that. Um, that really kind of was my political awakening. And from then on, I kind of just really got into learning more about political history, not only of, a, uh, you know, the U S but of 
of the surrounding countries and of European countries and all that type of stuff. And just diving into that was like so fun because I was able to really learn about all these things, right? And people kind of think of politics as like a, you know something that certain people are just interested in, and like you know you don't really have to pay attention if you don't want to. But you know when it comes down to it, like that is life and death for a lot of people. Like those policies are actually life and death for certain people and. Um, you know, and, and, you know, communities that my parents came from, you know, whether it's, you know, inner city Chicago or inner city Detroit, like those are communities that are mostly affected by, um, the things that happen in government and government regulation, government politics, um, stuff like that. So that's kind of where I really wanted to get into it because I felt like I didn't want to speak on any issue because we had a lot of conversations in the locker room. I really didn't want to speak on any issue unless I had a knowledge about it. Um, I didn't want to, want to just be one of those people talking out of my ass or being just like, you know, Republicans bad, Democrats good. Like I, that's such a surface level way of thinking that that's just, you just got that from your parents. You're not doing any type of critical thinking. Um, so what I like to do is, like you said, I like to not only see both sides, but criticize both sides because neither side has it right. Um, you know, both sides are trying to get you to just hate the other side. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're the people with all the money are kind of running out the back door with all your benefits. Right. So it's like, (laughs) they kind of try and get you to keep hating each other while they're just, all this money is just flowing to the the top, top 1% of the richest of people. Um, while people at the bottom are still suffering. So trust me, at the end of the day, you have more in common with that poor person who, um, might be a Republican or whatever than you do with some fucking rich capitalist like Jeff Bezos or some rich politician like Nancy Pelosi, who's trying to tell you that this other person is bad and they're not. So I just think it's, there's a lot of people that are deluded, but it's, it's because of the um, American media is so bad. Um, it's so partisan, hyper-partisan to the level of, they don't really want to talk about any real issues. They just want to talk about uh, superficial things, um, whether it's a tweet or um just random shit doesn't really matter, but they'll never talk about uh, kind of real issues that are at the foundation of, of the corruption and, and the greed that's in this country. That is the reason that functionally America is a third world country unless you're rich. So that's just the truth of the matter. And it's, I mean, it's tough to kind of put it all, summarize it all into one thing because it's so complex. Right. But at the end of the day, man, it's it doesn't look good. Obviously, coronavirus has exposed a lot of the the rot we have at a lot of our institutions and how weak they are, or I guess you could say they're, they're functioning the way they've been um, kind of tooled to function. And that's not really for the average American. So it's sad, but that's why you got to just fight, man. You got to educate yourself and, and try and fight the powers of be so that you can try and develop some type of better world for people who aren't born into it. And a lot of times don't have the opportunities uh, that others do. No, I agree. I think, um, <laughs> One thing I love about America is that a lot of people here have the opportunity to um, succeed, but a lot of opportunity, a lot of people don't have that opportunity to succeed as well, too. Um, one thing that they've said about the coronavirus is that things are going to get better before they get worse. Do you think that same logic applies to the political landscape that we're about to see in 2020? I mean, honestly... If this isn't rock bottom, I mean, sheesh, you got Trump and you got Joe Biden, like two, <laughs> I mean, two Republicans, if you right. ask me, um, but because really the bad fans, you're, you, you were, you were on Bernie's side, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and look, and, and Bernie's not perfect either. Like I, I'll be the first one to criticize Bernie, but his platform is the pretty much the only platform that was offered in the Democratic Party, and that has been offered in the last pretty much two decades that would actually do a, an ounce of good for the average American. So that was my preferred candidate. Um, Joe Biden functionally is a Republican. If you look at his uh, voting record and any legislation he's got passed, it's it would be very good legislation if he was a in the Republican Party. I mean, that's what he believes in is wars and corporatocracy and um, corporate owned everything, money flowing to the top, bank bailouts, all that type of stuff. That's Joe Biden's record. So I don't know how you can expect him to vote for that if he has never done anything for the working class uh, poor person or even middle class. Um, so, yeah, I think if this isn't the bottom, I don't really know what it is. Like these are two terrible candidates that they're forcing the people to vote for. Um, and then if you if you choose not to participate because neither candidate's going to do shit for you, um, all of a sudden you're the problem, right? And th- and that's what they want to do is they want to just voter shame and kind of put you in a box. You have to vote for one of these two people, and then they're going to give you some excuses of why you have to, and then. When you do, when you pledge them your vote, you have no leverage. They don't have to listen to you at all because you're going to vote for them anyway. So what's the point? And then they give you the same scenario every four years. Because four years ago, they said you had to vote for Hillary. And now they're saying you have to vote for Joe Biden. Lesser of two evils. Well, when are we going to actually have someone get to vote for? They're probably never going to give you that because you're just going to keep voting for them anyway. So what's the point, right? (laughs) Yeah. What do you say to those? Like, I I have a... Not a lot, but I have some friends who just don't vote or just don't want to vote. But not voting is almost just as bad as voting for, you know, the wrong candidate, so to say. What do you say to those, like, younger, you know, 18 to 25 demographic that don't really gotten the chance to vote or don't really think that their vote's that impactful or meaningful? Um, Honestly, at the end of the day, I think... 30, 40 years ago, that might have been the case. Um, but nowadays, when you kind of have one party rule, um, and that's the party of management, the party of money, um, voting isn't as consequential as you think it as, as you think it is. Um, whether you get Trump or whether you get Biden, you're going to get someone who's trying to start more wars. Whether you get Trump or whether you get Biden, you're going to get someone who has always been for um, you know corporate big money bailouts, bank bailouts. Um, deregulation. So I think a lot of people think their votes aren't consequential because whether they vote for a Democrat or whether they vote for a Republican, they're not getting health care. They still have to pay off student loans. They still have to um, pay exorbitant health care costs. They still have to do, like, they, they still have all these stresses in their lives that, look, if you go to Canada, you get insulin for 40 bucks, but you get it for $400 here. Whether I vote for a Democrat or Republican, I can't afford that. And so I think a lot of people I think if you think of it in the grand scheme of things, you're like, okay, this person is marginally better than this person. But if you think of it on a personal level, which I think people have to start start thinking of it more, a lot of people are like, whether I vote for this person or whether I vote for that person, my life is pretty much going to be the same. So what's even the what's even the point of doing that? And so that's why I think we have to actually get to a point where we are a nation that is requiring um, a candidate who is actually going to offer us something that's going to markedly improve our lives, not just for a candidate who maybe is nice about it, is nice about the way they screw us over. Great. Like he talks nice. He looks nice. He, he has decorum, but his policies are just as destructive. So I think it's tough. We're in a tough spot right now in this country um, because we're asking for things that other countries have had for a hundred years. We're asking 
for healthcare to be a right. Um, we're asking for to not get price gouged by a healthcare mafia who I pay them a monthly premium. And then when I, ha- when I get cancer, they say they're not going to cover it, but they just stole all my money and I have to go bankrupt just to get some type of coverage. Um, it's just not fair. And I think we've been propagandizing this country to just take it. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are done just taking it. Um, and they're just not gonna, they're just not gonna fall into that lesser of two evils mindset anymore because they've been saying the same thing for 20 years. And a lot of people are like, when is that going to change? And the definition of insanity is expecting a different result when you keep doing the same thing. And I think people are kind of starting to catch on to that. So I think it's tough to, to, to talk to young people nowadays, especially when we all came out for a candidate who um, the DNC did pretty much everything they could. The media did pretty much everything they could to, to bash constantly. And um, they're kind of just, they just, we feel like we're not being heard. Um, and we have issues that 60, 70 year olds didn't have when they were our age. They didn't have no, there weren't no jobs. They didn't have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. They could get a, a job at Sears and support a family. Like you can't get a minimum wage job and support shit now. So like, we feel like we're not being heard and we're not just going to listen to you saying we have to vote for somebody because you're just saying all oh, the lesser two views. We're just not going to fall for that shit anymore. Like we're done. And so I don't know, man, it's complex. It's hard. It's complicated, but I think you just got to get out there and talk to people and kind of gauge their feelings. And look, I don't have any problem. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't get mad at anybody for voting Joe Biden. Look, vote for whoever the fuck you want to vote for, but don't sit here and tell me I have to vote for somebody who over the past 30 years has really done more than a lot of Republicans to destroy communities like where my parents come from. Right. Like Joe Biden wrote the crime bill. Right. He was supported welfare uh, cutting. He supported Social Security cutting. He supported Medicare cutting. Yeah. Those type of legislation that affects black communities more than any other community. I, I think you because tweeted we, you tweeted something where I had all and that I saw recently that you had all Joe Biden's uh, voting record. And he did sound more like a Republican than a than Democrat, you know. Yeah, we've gotten to the point in this country where it's actually funny. I was talking to somebody from Australia and their part, the way their system works out is the left wing party is called labor and the right wing party is called liberals, which is funny because the liberals here, the Democrats here really functionally around the world are Republicans, right? They're fighting for private company, uh, healthcare stuff. They're fighting. They're still for wars. That's like, that's shit that we're right-wing people do in other countries. Like, we have our left-wing doing that. So our political system is all messed up. It's been so far shifted to the right that they think people like Bernie is some crazy socialist when he's just asking for single-payer health care, which every other country has. And even the Republicans in those countries wouldn't dare coming for that because it's so popular. So right. it's just, it's wild, man. Like, I could talk for, about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second you said student loans, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What, what, what about that? Right. <laughs> exactly, man. Well, if we ever run for, for office, man, you got my vote, man. You, you sound like you're, you're really into this. I appreciate this. it, man. You yeah. know, I look out for you. <laughs> I um, One more question for you. Um, what do you, what do you, you know, we have a two-party system. Um, I look at other countries like Mexico that you know historically have had uh, a, a two-party system, the PRI and the PAN. Lately, over the last decade or two, the more political parties have sprung up because the people are yeah. not happy with what's going on. And this yeah. last uh, presidential election that happened, someone that's not from like the U.S. equivalent to Democratic and Republican Party won. 
What do you think mm. is the is do you think that is the answer to the problems that we're facing? Like we're we don't want to vote for Joe Biden, but we don't want to vote for right. Trump. Like who do we look out for to help us during this this crisis or this time that we're living in? Yeah, dude, it's tough, man, because the way our system is set up, it's been so captured by both the parties. And and honestly, both parties would rather lose to the other party than have a third party spring up that's viable, right? Because then it shows that people are looking for answers outside of these two parties. So it's so hard to just even get on the ballot in a lot of states. You have to have a certain amount of funding. Everything comes back to money, of course. Um, and it's just really hard. And because everyone is so kind of propagandized and they're thinking if you don't vote for one of the two parties then you're responsible personally for the other person getting elected right that's what we've been so propagandized into thinking that right. people are scared to vote for like a green party candidate even if they 100 agree with that platform more than they would agree with the platform of the democrat or republican party so it's tough like i i definitely would support that movement i don't claim to have all the answers um i definitely think ranked choice voting would be I mean, if, if the Democrats and Republicans actually, okay, let's say the Democrats, if the Democrats actually cared about a spoiler vote, right, then they would support ranked choice voting, which means that if I like the Green Party as my first candidate, then I put them as my first candidate. And if they're not viable, if they don't get over a certain amount, then my vote goes to the second candidate. If I say I put the Democrats as my second candidate, right, they would, uh, they would um, be for that type of legislation, but they're not because they know that if that was the case, then a lot of people would start putting down a different a third party, a Green Party or a Workers' Party. A lot of people would start doing that. But they, of course they don't want that because they're 100% okay with you ha being forced into thinking you have to vote for them um, if you marginally agree with them better than Republicans. So it's very cor corrupted here, and it's, it's really sad. Like you said, a lot of other countries have a lot of different choices, and then they build coalitions, which I think would be a lot more plausible. Um, with the type of system, but that's just not really how our system is formed. So I don't know, man. I, I I like trying to get progressives in the Democratic Party to take it over, but as we've seen kind of with AOC and Ilan Omar and a lot of these people who I, you know, support, but at the same time, they're not even calling out the leadership in their own party for fear of, I don't know, getting primary, not getting reelected, who knows? So it's a, it's kind of bleak. I don't want to sound just bleak and dark and like there's no hope, but there definitely needs to be a movement of people striking, set it, uh, shutting things down just for us to be heard. Because if you just have this two-party duopoly and even if you disagree, say I disagree, I'm shouting from the rooftops, you know, Democrats need to be better, all this type of stuff. If at the end of the day I give them my vote, none of, nothing matters. Nothing that I said matters. They have my vote. And that's my voice. My voice. My vote. My vote is my voice. And if I give them my vote, then I don't really have a voice anymore. They have it. You know what I mean? So right. I think we have to stop acting like we have to vote for this um, one candidate without any concessions. I need you to come to me. I need you to ask me what I want for your platform, what I want you to do, and then I need you to listen to me. And if you show me, if you just punch me in the mouth and say I'm not going to listen to you, and I'm you just need to vote for me because the Republicans are bad and you have no other choice. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to keep doing that. And I think a lot of progressives are at that point. And guess what? We make up about half of the Democratic Party. So good luck winning without us. But I don't know, man. It's tough. So I, like I said, I don't claim to have all the answers. Um, I think you have to look within yourself. And like I said, I won't fault anyone for, for, voting, uh, for voting for Joe Biden. Look, that's your prerogative. That's your choice. 
Um, and it is what it is. So we'll see. Hey, shit, Justin. After all that, you got my vote too, man. <laughs> shit. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if I got all that, but I'm like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, hey, if this, this if this this other stimulus check is true, man, I might be with Donald. <laughs> Man, I don't, <laughs> I don't keep paying me money, man. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't. Do that. No, hey, hey, that's what that's. He's a hey. One thing I'll say about Trump, man, he's a marketing genius. Yep. He really is. He's a marketing genius. You see his name on that check, and a lot uh, of people will be like, purpose, "Look, yeah. that's that's uh, you know, he seems to be supporting me in my time of need, even though fucking twelve hundred dollars for most people is not, not nearly enough to cover you know what they'll need for not having a job." But yeah. You know, that, I think that's another problem is we kind of accept crumbs, right? Like, you see $1,200, you're like, oh, the government gave me money. But look, you yeah. should be getting that every month. You should get $1,500 a month. You should be like, if you can't work, the government's saying you can't work, then okay, I need you to cover my expenses. Like, I need you to help me live if I can't work, right? So we need to just start ex- you know, expecting more and stop accepting so little. Um, but I think when you don't get anything ever and you finally get something, you're just excited about it, right? Yeah. And so... It's tough, man. It's it's everything in America is much different than other countries, um, and so that's why I really like kind of diving into that and learning more about not only us but how other countries do it as well, just to look for better solutions. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So actually, I want to piggyback off that political point that you was making. So like, I don't know, NFL political times going through like a different, like going through like a weird time that one that we never yeah. seen. So, I mean. I don't know. You see it everywhere. Like, kind of people kind of put athletes in a box. Like, oh, yeah. you're just an yeah. athlete. Oh, stick to sports. Like, how does that like make you feel? As like, a, like obviously we just saw you schooled the whole panel, but like <laughs> you're you're very well educated on like a bunch of subjects. But like, like for someone that doesn't know you or I don't know, like maybe they hit you up on Instagram or Twitter and they're like mm. they just kind of dismiss your point just because of your profession. Like what? Yeah. What's that? What's going through your mind? Like you're a full grown man. You have thoughts. You have feelings. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's it's funny because it's like I always make the joke. Like, would you tell like an accountant? No, just stick to accounting. Like what? Like I'm an an athlete. That's my job. But I'm still a United States citizen, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I can comment on politics because politics affects me. It affects the people I love. Like, it affects everybody. I'm in this country. I'm a voter. So why can I not have an opinion? But I think. I think if you look historically, actually, athletes have been very vocal, very involved oh, yeah. in politics. You look at like Muhammad Ali and um, Carl Lewis, I think like all these, Jesse Owens, like all these people have been very involved in politics. Um, I think it got to a point where a lot of people kind of wanted to shut athletes up because we have a platform and because a lot of us come from those areas that are most affected. And all of, a lot of us obviously are people of color. And we come from those areas that are affected by politics more than anybody else, right? So they kind of just want to say, oh, shut up, because we want to we enjoy you as an athlete. We love watching you play because you give us joy watching you play. Like, we are, love sports and all that. But we don't want anything outside of that because we disagree with that. So just do what we enjoy, but don't do what we don't enjoy, right? So that kind of yeah. takes away your humanity. It takes away your agency as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always something that I've seen. And and I actually like it because at this point, it's kind of become a meme, right? Like, just shut up and dribble, right? It's become yeah. a meme. And yeah. I still see it on Twitter. And it's fun. It's almost funny. It just makes me laugh. Like, it, it just runs off of me like water. Like, all right, like, cool, yeah. bro. You're just mad that I'm saying something you disagree with and I have a way bigger platform than you. Let's talk about shit like this. Like, so it kind of just yeah. makes me laugh. Um, but 
I'll never, I'll never be silenced, right? Like I, and I love football to death. Like this is what I do, you know, this is my life, but it is my life and it's not my life because afterwards I'm still going to have a life and I have a lot of other interests too. So um, I never want to put myself in a box like, oh, I won't talk about anything until I stop playing football. Like what? I'm going to not talk about stuff that affects myself and affects everyone that I love for 10 years because of what? Because of my job? That doesn't make any sense. So yeah, um, yeah I've, I think I love, I, and I, I, I never want to disparage anybody like right wing, left wing, Republican, Democrat. Look, we're all human beings, right? And I like to kind of have a discourse um, and just talk to people because I think, like I said, a lot of the times, one of my favorite political commentators says, if you find yourself kind of, uh, if you find yourself punching down, right, at someone lower on the economical or social ladder than you, there's a good chance you're being manipulated by someone above you on the social ladder, right? So what they mm-hmm. want is they want people who are capitalists, you know, who own companies and stuff. They want Republicans in the South to be mad at Mexicans and mad at people because they're taking the immigrants because they're taking their job. When in reality, it's those same capitalists that are giving those immigrants the job over someone else because they can exploit them and pay them a lower salary and not have to pay taxes on it, right? So, like, it's stuff like that that interests me so much. And I just try, I want to, like, kind of get that message out there that if you kind of band together as a people and you kind of start looking at the people who are actually screwing you over, who are actually paying you such a low wage, you can barely live on it while they're making billions of dollars in profits every year, every year. If you can actually educate the American people on how they're being screwed over instead of just having them watch sports on Sunday and kind of toil throughout the rest of the week and then go out on Friday and Saturday and just repeat that over and over again. Like if they can actually learn, learn how we can come together to have a better life for everyone, just a decent life for everyone in this country with all the resources we have, like that's something that I'd love to do. So I don't know. We'll see. But like, I, I guess my point is like, I'll never be silenced just because of what I do as a job because no one else will be like, people working cleaners won't do that right accountants won't do that lawyers won't do that so why should i yeah exactly Mm -hmm. all right i'm gonna switch it up a little bit so have you been watching the uh, mj doc i have not because i'm waiting i'm a look i'm a millennial at heart and netflix i'm I'm of i'm of a netflix generation Oh, we got and a I'm binger here. The, I'm waiting till the whole thing comes out so I can just watch it all the way through. All right. I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, a, a lot of the theme is, like, there's these anecdotes of, like, how, like, Jordan was just a different dude, just different different breed. Like, yeah. have you come across any of those guys, like, you just came in the league and, like, oh, this guy's just different. He's, like, he's just a different beast. He's not – it feels like he's not human. Like, who, who's that to you? Like, who, um – Dude, like we we gotta shoot on our team. Like we got a lot of dogs. Like I think um, Derwin, Derwin, our safety. We came in together. Beast. That dude is a beast. Like just mindset, just a killer. Like loves the game. Like all that type of shit. Like that. Like Derwin's like that. He just has that mindset. Loves the game. Like he's just a killer. And like he's just he's loud. You know he's boisterous. Like he's a leader. Just a true and true leader outright leader and then you got a guy like bosa who's like more quiet like funny laid back on the field can be blocked just an absolute beast probably one of the best dns in the league like top three for sure like oh yeah different type of beast you know out there right like and even and i haven't i haven't watched the doc yet but i know like you have guys like mj was 
you know, loud and he was such a competitor and he was kind of a dick and all type of stuff. You have other, you have other beasts like a guy like LeBron, right? Like he can be like that, but most of the time he's not right. And he's another, like, he's another beast, a killer, like just oh, for sure. dog. You know what I mean? So like, it's different styles of leadership, right? There's different styles. Like a guy like Tim Duncan, one of the best of all time, right? He wasn't like Jordan in a sense, um, as far as like his personality, right? But he was one of the best power forwards of all time. So that's another thing you, you really understand when you get to sports is there's different types of leadership and there's different types of dogs, different types of beasts, right? Um, Michael was just, his most redeeming quality was his competitiveness. Like, he just hated to fucking lose. And, like, that kind of informed everything about the way he went about his business, right? And he also, and I, I learned a little bit like this in, in, in high school and college, too. Like, you sometimes you just got to be a dick to somebody, right? And it's not because I don't like you. It's not anything personal. It's just, like, I know I'm going to need you to win. Like, I know I'm going to need you. Like, we're going to be in this adverse situation again whether we're running conditioning and we have two more reps and you just don't think you can get through it. Like I need you to push through that shit because when it comes to a game, that might be the same situation. I need your mind to have been prepared to do this stuff so you can push through that shit. Cause that might be the difference between us winning and losing. Right. And I think Mike understood that. And that's why he pushed his teammates to the brink all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of us have a little bit of, of that in us, but some, and some people like Mike, it's just enhanced, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's just on a different level. And so there's definitely guys like that on our team, but you, I think you just see it throughout sports and it, and it manifests in different ways. So I, I can't wait to watch it because I know I, I, our generation kind of like Mike was playing when we were like babies and kids, right? So I, I'm looking forward to kind of yeah. seeing the ins and outs of all that. But Oh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be happy. You'll be happy. Um, all right, I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus, but what's your best uh, recruiting story? recruiting story oh man um <laughs> here it comes one of, <laughs> one of my buddies actually one of my teammates at northwestern um i was there on my official visit <laughs> i was just hanging out with him. he was a running back and um he took me to this party He's like, yeah, we're going to go to a party. You know, it's just going to be fun. Like, it's a house party, whatever. Like, you're just going to go and chill. Like, we show up at the party, and it's literally an all-Asian party. <laughs> He's Filipino. So I'm, like, the only, like, non-Asian person in there. I'm like, like, you didn't tell me this was, like, an all-Asian party. Like, what is it? But it was fun. It was, like, so fun. Like, And he was just, it was just, like, my, I was, like, a freaking senior in high school. I'm like, I don't know what to can do here but like i'm just at this party with like all these asian folks i'm like all right let's try and fit in uh, they made they made you take your shoes off before you got in (laughs) right right. no it it was fun man like that was just like i was like is this what college is gonna be like like they're all asian party like it was was fun man that was and that was another like a northwestern like he just brought me along like i'm a senior in high school like he's a sophomore he's just like brings me along at this like all Asian party and then we just have like a good time. Like that was fun. Yeah. Um, there was another time. Oh my gosh, this wasn't recruiting, but this is a college story. And I want to tell it cause it's funny as hell, but we, uh, we, my freshman year, like we weren't very good, but, and so, and we had lost our first two games. We lost to Cal and we lost to NIU. Like, and it was very disappointing because we had just beaten Cal the year before and NIU was a Mac team. So like you have to be NIU, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had lost those first two games. And then we played Western Illinois. 
and we beat Western Illinois, like, which we should have. Like, come on, if we don't beat Western Illinois, we should be disbanded. But <laughs> so we beat Western Illinois, and then that that night, that was a Saturday game. So then that night, they had planned like a boat trip. Um, <laughs> they had planned like a boat, like all of us would get on a boat or whatever and have like a party or whatever. But first, they we were pre-gaming at like this football house, right? Um, and the pre-game got wild, like they called the cops, whatever. And so it was kind of a big thing, and we had just beat Western Illinois, like we were partying, like we fucking beat Ohio State or something. But I was a freshman at the time, so I didn't know what was going on. Like I was just, I w- I actually wasn't even there, like I didn't even go. Um, and that next week we were in a meet, we were in a team meeting, and our coach, Coach Fitz, got. He got like he came up and he's like you could tell he was like mad. He's like, wait, we just won. Like, why is he mad? <laughs> and he was like, he was reading something. He's like, oh, I, you know, uh, I got this email from from somebody. And I'm like, he's about to read an email. Who did he get an email from? He got this email from a lady who <laughs> who lived on the street that the part like our house party was happening at. And she was like. Coach Fitz, like she was probably like a Karen or something, you know. She's like, Coach Fitz. So, <laughs> yeah. I was very, I was very disappointed that a lot of the the football players were having parties, were having a huge party, and were very loud and all stuff, and they were drinking and all type of stuff. And then, but in the in the email, she had included a quote that she had heard, and she was like, "And this is something that I heard that I was very disappointed about." One of your players shouted, wait, everyone don't leave. The bitches are coming. The bitches are coming. <laughs> <laughs> and he read that out loud in a team meeting. And oh my all of us were holding back laughter and tears. So bad. And like to this day, like we whenever um on my teammates get together, we always bring that up because it's so fucking funny. When we're having a boat party after we beat a shit team. And two, like we get in trouble because some Karen like tells our coach that someone was yelling, "The bitches are coming!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just one of the best, just funniest stories. Like I have like, so many of those. It's like the oh, ghetto yeah. Paul Revere. Man, I had such a good time in college, man. Oh, that's Recruiting awesome. Recruiting and in college, just the funniest of stories. Uh, this is awesome. fun, man. And then um, my last one was. Uh, do you play with yourself on Madden? And, then, <laughs> and, how, so, and how's that like when you first like, oh shit, I'm in Madden, man. I'm a, I'm a no, max out actually, my stats. Right. It's actually tight. I didn't get to be in NCAA football because my freshman year was when they stopped making the game. So I yeah. didn't actually get to, and I, dude, I played the fuck out of NCAA football in Madden and, and like all the way through high school. Um, so that was upsetting that I didn't get to play with myself in college football, right? And then throughout all of college, like, I literally had no time to play video games. And I was the biggest gamer. Like, I had no time to play video games between school and workouts and football. Like, I had no time. So actually, my senior year, um, after I did my the combine and my pro day, Fortnite was getting huge, right? So then I still had an Xbox 360, I didn't even have an Xbox One. So, like, I had to buy a system. I had to buy the Xbox 360 just to play with my friends and buddies on Fortnite, right? And so I kind of got obsessed with that, like everyone did. Um, <laughs> and then when I finally made a team, when I finally made the team, I hadn't played Madden or any any M2K or nothing in, like, five years, like four or five years. So 
I was just playing Fortnite and grinding Fortnite so much that I actually never even played Madden. So by the time I actually got in the Madden game, I didn't even play Madden anymore. Like, I, and so like I people send me shit all the time, like, "Oh, bro, look what I did with you," and all this stuff. I'm like, bro, I, don't even, I don't even play with myself because I don't even play Madden anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it, it's kind of wild because I wanted to play college football so bad and still play football with me in it. And it wasn't available. And now that I'm in Madden and it is available, I don't play it, right? So it's just, uh, shit, I guess that's how life works, man. Are you like the, are you like the guy that would get sensitive about his stats? <laughs> no, like, not really. Like, I, people tell me, like, um, they have, like, my speed probably higher than it is. Like, I'm more quick than fast. Yeah. But then they have, like, my cutting ability, like, way low. I'm like, that shit's not even real. Like, I feel like for the, pe- for the people that aren't like big names, like they just throw in some random shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't they don't even really pay attention to that shit. Like, if you're talking about my like juke ability or whatever it is, agility on there, like that shit needs to be in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like, that's just probably like in the seventies. But then they have like my speed at like ninety four. Like, okay, I'll like I'll take it. Who knows? <laughs> I'm planning well, on getting that shit up there, though, you know, once I have a good year. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. You got to dominate that shit. Okay, so I guess I do got to ask, since Fran kind of asked this question, but so I'm in a very competitive fantasy football league. Yeah. Shout out to the Susie League. Do people, like, hit you up about fantasy football? It's curious to, like, ask, like, somebody that you know, right? Because you're, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're you play in the NFL, so it's kind of cool to ask what your perspective yeah. is on that. Like, is it annoying? Like, do you, are you, like, shut the uh, fuck up? Like, we don't, I don't no, care about what we... <laughs> Cause we, we saw your, like, we saw your name on like the fantasy draft board and it was yeah. weird. It's like, dude, we know Justin. Like, it's like, you know, we're like, it's so, it's so weird in that perspective. Cause you think fantasy football, like there's like these fake, you know, it's fantasy, but then when you know somebody, yeah. it, it's mad weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, and like I did fantasy football, like for two or three years and it's, it is fun. It's so fun. Like you, you feel like a GM, right? Like, and who doesn't want to feel like, Oh, like I'm picking a team. Like I'm making a team. This is my team. If my team wins, like, that's exciting, right? And then there's usually money online. But it's so I get it. It's fun. It's a good way for the players or the players and fans to kind of connect, right? But at the same time, dude, people are like, dude, I need you to do really good for my fantasy team this week. I'm like, I think I want to do really well because this is my job. Like, I could really give a fuck about your fantasy team, especially if it's somebody I don't know. Like, but I'm not playing well for your fantasy team. Like, it's just funny because, like, people. I think fantasy makes people kind of into just like they just root for their players, which is good in a sense. But at the same time, yeah. it's like if they're if this guy doesn't do good, it's like oh fuck him, like you know, like yeah, he didn't exactly. do good for my fantasy team, like bro. I promise you, I was trying my hardest, but we got had a bad game. You know what I mean? Like so, it's funny, but like a lot of people tell me like for my rookie year that I helped them win like some fantasy leagues or whatever because they picked me up and then I had two of the Steelers and the Chiefs game, I did really well and got on some points. So, like, that's cool. Like, it's cool. Like, they're like, oh, dude, you helped me with my fantasy. I'm like, oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm whatever. glad you picked me and you had me on your team. And I, like, I'm glad we're able to connect. And I really do enjoy connecting with fans on that level. But it just, trust me, like, people get, like, insane about this shit. Like, people go crazy about fantasy football. And I'm like, bro, relax. Like, it's just fantasy. Like, it's not even real life. But, like, you know, I mean, there's money on the line, so I get it. But it just gets to be a little much at times. But it is what it is, man. It's all about that engagement. and We're definitely people, that. We're, it makes you money, man. You know, it makes you money yeah, yeah. at the end of the day because you, your name gets out there and you develop a brand. So it, there's a double-edged sword. Yeah. 
we're definitely that league, whatever you just said. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, shit, uh, Justin, don't fuck me up, man. <laughs> but that's cool to hear from your perspective. But hey, look, man, we're kind of running out of time here, man. It's this has been awesome, man. We really, we really appreciate your time, man. You know, just even just to talk to you, man, see how you're doing. It's so it's crazy seeing you now, man. You're like a grown ass kid now, like a man now, man. You ain't that. You ain't that young and coming to my house anymore. Right, I'm not the little kid anymore, man. No, yeah. it's, it's it's wild, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was fun. I always yeah. like talking to uh, people from from the hometown, man, because there's always good stories to be told, and yeah, it's man. always really nice to connect with people. And obviously, played with your brother, and then Avery, I was you know a lot closer with your brother um, than you, so it's it's good talking to you guys and, and uh, getting to, uh, just to dive into stuff. So I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It was fun for sure, man. If there's one advice that you can give to all the ballers that are coming up, you know, in our area, or just you know they kind of look up to you. You know, yeah. one advice, athletic or even off the field, what what's something that you would say or have to them? Bruh, just I know there's like a lot, a lot of these like seven on seven tournaments and all that other shit, man. It comes down to what you put on film, um, and your grades. Period. Like a lot I know a lot of people that I played with that played before and after me that could have went D one if they didn't have completely shit grades. Like it's high school. It is not hard to get a decent grade point average <laughs> just turning your homework like please like if you actually have aspirations of being a college athlete um put good film out there and that just that just comes down to being a dog um working hard in the off season working hard in the summer paying attention knowing what the fuck you're doing and going out there and balling and and just having a decent you don't even have to be great just have a decent grade point average if you really have aspirations man it, it takes both um because if you can't get into school they're just not going to look at you it doesn't matter how good of a player you are um yeah. unless you're freaking you know going to alabama or something right which doesn't come around too often so yeah man that's the advice i would give man just just ball out put really good film out there and uh freaking get a decent grade point average it's high school sheesh I hear you, man. <laughs> hey, man, well, we appreciate it. You know, we're all going to be rooting for you this year, man. Do your thing. Appreciate you know, you, we man. got your back. We'll be saluting you from over here, man. That's so, right. appreciate everything, dogs. Um, all right. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on, man. And that's you guys take care, all right? Tinted thoughts with Justin Jackson. We appreciate you. Man. Peace. Right. Peace.